out of Numbers chapter number 32. And let's stand in reverence to the reading of the word of God. You please pray. I haven't said much about it these days. My heart, I have to, you got to learn to live in the moment. We've got a big week next week at the camp meeting. And I was praying about a month ago for the camp meeting. God would come down and meet with us and breathe on us. And tonight, this is the burden of my heart for our camp meeting that I would like for God to do for us. And the Lord just spoke to me while I was praying and said, don't forget about where you are now and what you're doing now. We're going to spend all our time praying about something that's coming and forget about praying about the present tense time in our lives. Amen. So for the moment tonight, let me read to you verse number 11 of Numbers 32, and then I will read together in Joshua chapter 3. The Bible says, Surely none of the men that came out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land, which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Joshua chapter number three, verse 14. The Bible said, and it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they bear the ark were come, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all its banks all the time of harvest. That the waters which down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea at the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over. Father, I love you. I love you in all my heart. Lord, it just really, really feels good to tell you I love you tonight. Thank you for the nearness of your presence. Thank you for answered prayers. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Sutherland being sensitive to God. And Lord, you have led us this far to this place in the service tonight. You have. I have witnessed you set the atmosphere tonight, Lord. Thank you. And we didn't have nothing to do with it, but you done it. God, help us to worship you. And I pray that you touch the young people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Numbers 32 tells us that if you are over the age of 20 years old, you were in trouble. You wasn't going to get to cross the River Jordan, and you wasn't going to get to accept the promises of God. Tells us that that rebellious crowd that complained and murmured through the wilderness wasn't going to get to go to Canaan's land. So that means that the majority of the people that crossed the River Jordan were in the youth group. 20 years old and under, they had babies that had to have somebody carry them across. Young families, teenagers, 
I love it, don't you? So tonight, just for a brief moment, I want to preach on this simple subject when the youth group crosses the river. When the young people make their mind up that I'm going with God. They had to go without their parents and they had to go without their grandparents, but onward the victorious Christian leaving, they went. And every time I preach from this chest, I, I'm reminded of our dear friend who's in heaven tonight, Brother Fane Jordan, said that one service, Brother Sammy Allen was said, I'm going to Canaan's land and started waving at people. Brother Fane said, he stood up, said, don't go without me. And, and that God would help every one of us get a thirst and a hunger for Canaan land tonight and the fullness of God tonight and the power of God tonight that God would help us to be thirsty to have that victorious Christian living experience. Simple preaching tonight, four things and I'll be done. First of all, if you're going to be a part of that group that crosses the river, you're going to have to leave some things behind. First of all, you're going to have to leave all that death behind. I mean, the, the, the wilderness experience for the nation of Israel wasn't nothing more than a 40-year-long funeral possession. Every day, somebody died. Every day, they had to bury somebody. Every day, they buried multiple people, and God weeded that murmur and complaining crowd out. Amen. They had their shovels ready. They had, to, had their casket makers ready and all that, but they had to learn to leave that death behind. There were some relationships that had to die in their lives, and young people, it's going to be hard for you to learn this, but along the way there's going to be some relationships that's going to come in your life that's not going to be profitable for you that's not going to help you out at all and they might not die physically but they're going to have to die in your heart you can't be the friend of this world you can't be a friend with perverts and fornicators and adulterers and the drunks and the dopers this world's not your friend you've got to let that relationship die Country music can't be your friend. Rock and roll music can't be your friend. Rap music can't be your friend. I thought Hank Williams Jr. was the greatest thing that ever happened to me till I met Jesus Christ, amen. Right there, amen. I used to think was living it up, having a good time. On the back roads, Leonard Skinner, Merle Haggard, amen, George Jones, every one of them. I, I, but then one day I walked in a church house and they preached against everything I'd ever done. And brother, I said goodbye to that old world. He didn't leave me like he found me. He saved me by the grace of God. And thank God I got to say goodbye to that mess. Amen to God. Somebody holler amen right there. There's going to have to be something dying in your life. Well, my mom and dad know everything I do. No, they don't. My mom and dad know every relationship I have. No, they don't. Hey, man, you got things hidden in your life you don't think nobody else knows about. You're going to have to get right on your own. Don't wait till your daddy catches you, your mama catches you. Don't wait till your daddy's praying one day and the Holy Ghost troubles his heart that you got something in your life. Why don't you go to your mom and dad tonight and say, Mom and daddy, I got problems. I got issues. Hey, man, and I us parents or to be the kind of parents that our children can trust us, that they can confide in us, that we won't blab it all over the world and tell the world our children's own problems and give some things to die. And you'll 
that rebellious, that rebellious spirit you got, it needs to die. That unsubmissive spirit you got, it needs to die. These relationships need to die. Amen. They had to deal with the death. Amen. There's some relationships that's got to die. On and on we could go. And by the way, the only dead thing that they carried across the river and they carried into Canaan's land was the bones of Joseph. They had the bones of the dreamer. They had carried that legacy. Yes, our, our heroes had passed on. We buried a bunch of them in the last two years. Brother Marion, Brother Allen, Brother Blue, these men of God that we looked up to, we don't throw their memory away. Hey, but we can't carry their dead bodies with us everywhere we go. It's going to be a day in our lives when the responsibility is going to lay on me and you. And we're going to have to go on and carry Joseph's bones till we cross the river. And the first thing we do when we get over there is bury them. Out of all my heroes, I pray every day, God, give me a double portion. What they had that I want is they had you, Jesus. And it wasn't the fact they had you, it was that you had them. So as I earnestly covet the best gifts, Lord, I don't want their problems, I don't want their weaknesses, I want their strengths, and I want you. But I can't go around spending my days trying to imitate any of them. I gotta be me. Somebody say amen right there. You gotta be you. You gotta, as a young person, you're gonna have to learn to be yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. We first got saved and God called us to preach. I tried to be every one of them. Amen. I tried to be Brother Blue, Brother Allen. Some of them I don't even call her name tonight. I, I tried to be like, amen. I'm plumb ashamed to even identified with them to begin with. But they influenced us. They rubbed off on us. But happy day! Happy day! When you learn that you gotta have to be yourself and you can't be nobody else, there's some things you gotta leave behind. You gotta leave the death behind. All this world, all the flesh, all the devil wants to do is put death in your life. But he came to give us life and that we might have it and have it more abundantly. You got now, I hesitate to preach this next point, but I'm going to. So don't nobody do nothing stupid, okay? You're going to have to leave the drama behind. Every time I preach your own drama, it pops up. Drama, drama, some of you little drama mamas, man and drama girls and drama boys. The wilderness experience wasn't but one drama scene after the next. Fussing over at the waters of Mara and the bitter waters. Oh, would to God we were back in Egypt. At least we had food over there. At least we had a place to stay over there. It was drama, 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 drama. You're going to have to quit that junk. You're going to have to grow up and be mature. Lay the gossip down. And the reason these kids are so good at gossiping is they've had some water wonderful teachers at home to teach them how to do it. Can I get a witness right there? And the reason some of these children have got a bad spirit, they picked it up at home from mom and daddy. The reason they're eat up with drama is cause they're just acting like the parents and God help us to get the drama out of our lives and grow up and mature in the grace of God, in the power of God and leave the drama behind. And I tell you, I'd rather have a presence of God. I'd rather have a touch of God. I don't want that drama chuck. I just want something that's real. 
real. You're going to have to leave the drama behind. Why, why you got to be up in everybody's business? You know what I've noticed about our young people these days? I don't know if you have one in your, in your youth group. I do not know. But if you do, and you know who it is, you don't have to tell me who they are, but I will help you pray them get saved or get out. Amen. It's these manipulating, controlling, domineering people that have got to control everybody's life. You got somebody in your life that's got to manipulate every move you make and control you. What you need to do is tell them you've already got a daddy, you don't need another one. Tell them you've already got a pastor, you don't need another one. You've already got a mama, you don't need another one. Amen. See, I've seen it. Well, we want them to come to our house, but you're never going to go to their house. Oh, we want them coming on our playground, but we ain't going to their playground. You know, something's bad wrong with that. If you got somebody pulling you away from your parents all the time, I'm leery of these children. They say, hey, well, come over to my house. We can go to my room and we can shut the door. And mom and dad won't never say anything. They let us do what your parents don't let you do. Hey, but I tell you right now, that buzzard needs to get kicked out. Hey, man, run it down the road. I told my kids the other day, hey, man, you ever have somebody in your life like that? I want you to go buy a full can, not a bottle, but a full can, a Mountain Dew, the old can. I want you to take it to them. I want you to drop it in their feet and tell them to kick it till the Mountain Dew runs out of it and then kick the empty can all the way down the road and get them bunch of devils out of your life, why you got to control everybody, why you got to be large and in charge, somebody say man right there, and I'm telling you right now, this bunch of drama has grieved God and robbed our churches of the power of God. And it kind of makes me a little upset if you can't tell. Relationships want to pull you away from your parents, pull you away from God. Amen. They want to pull you away from your Bible. Pull you away. When's the last time you was hanging out? I thought last night. I asked Brother Randy. He said some of the kids had went up to the McDonald's. Just wanted I, the kids want to be with kids. They want a fellowship. I, hey man, well let me rephrase that. No, they don't want a fellowship. They want to socialize. See, our young people don't know the difference between fellowshipping and socializing. Fellowship, you talk about God. Fellowship, you talk about how good the service was. Fellowship, you give your dreams and your desires that you want to talk about what you want to be when you grow up. Hey, boys, you know, y'all pray for me. I think God may be dealing me about preaching. Hey, let's start having some prayer meetings. Hey, when's the last time you was having fellowship? And somebody said, hey, boys, why don't we go over to the church a couple hours early every Sunday morning and let's pray over everybody in the church. Let's walk by their pews and pray for them. Fellowship. Hey, any of y'all got a verse on your heart tonight? Anybody been studying your Bible? I'm hungry for the word of God. I know we just got out of church, but would somebody give me something else? I'm starving to death. Amen. Did you hear that tonight? All them people shouting and worshiping and praising God. I tell you what socializing is. Amen. Boy, did you see that girl, how tight her dress was? Oh, boys, all the boys are looking at her. Did you see how flirty she is. Hey, somebody say amen right there. Brother, I tell you, when you socialize and happen, you ain't getting nowhere near God. But when you learn the fellowship and you drop the drama, you start talking about the things of God. May I one time tonight, one time go down memory's lane. One time. I don't have it memorized anymore. But I used to have the number to the flooring company 
up there where Brother Randy Sutherland worked when he got saved and God called him to pray. I had it memorized. And every once in a while I called Brother Randy up. I knew somebody else had answered the phone. I said, well, I'm looking for that salesman named Brother Randy Sutherland. That's who I want to talk to. And uh, I said, all right. Did you hear that? Every time I call, I say, I need some gold for wood and I need enough to build an ark. Amen. And brother, the days we would fellowship and we wouldn't talking trash, we wouldn't gossiping. He'd bounce a verse off me, I'd bounce one off him. Oh, how edifying, how sweet those days were. Oh, and I thought about it today as we, as we fellowship last night, as we fellowship. It's wonderful. Somebody, y'all picking up what I'm trying to put down. Amen. You got to get rid of the trauma and get rid of the socializing. That's what I'm tired of looking at. Hey, man, we got a pile of young people coming to the camp next week. And I'm begging God that somewhere along the line, he'll open up a river and let the whole crowd cross. You got to leave the drama behind. You got to leave the discouraging words behind. Ten spies. Go over there and say, oh, we can't do it, boys. We're as grasshoppers in their side. Oh, Brother Mace Jackson said it the best I ever heard it, so we'll stick with what he said. He said, the grapes were big enough, you can make shire caps out of them. Oh, yes, he said, the milk and the honey was flowing. <laughs> Have it running out both sides of your mouth. You could drink it so fast. <laughs> hey, man, you ever, you ever, you, you ever had that them marshmallow eating contest uh, who could stuff the most marshmallows in their mouth? <laughs> How come it's always a girl that can win that? That's what I want to know. Amen. Well, can I get an amen right there? But anyhow, uh, boy, have you ever got so many marshmallows in your mouth you couldn't swallow? You, you just had to spit them out. Well, that's the way it is in Canaan land. Every once in a while, you get so much God and so much of the manna and so much of the blessings and so much of the goodness and so much of the glory. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, that you just really can't get it all and comprehend everything at one time. And when it ever does dawn on you, brother, you'll be in the glory world. You'll be worshiping God. You've got to leave those discouraging words alone and quit listening to the people that do not believe God. Oh, you mean you watch your children that close? You can't do that. You're going to make them bitter. I prayed about that the other day. And here's what the Lord spoke to me. He said, your children ever look at you and say, you're going to make me better because of restrictions and the rules. And I'm taking things out of your life that should have never been allowed there. You're going to pull that bitter card out. If you get bitter at me because I'm trying to make you better, it's on you, it ain't on me. Somebody say amen right there. Hey, some of you in here tonight, you're so mad at your mom and daddy because they make you dress right. They make you live right. You got it in your head that when you, hey, these people in here, you've been in the world. This world don't love you, does it? And has Budweiser ever went to the ditch and pulled a drunk out? Have you ever went to the hospital and seen the emergency room? It said sponsored by Jack Daniels or Bud White. No, no, they get what they want from you and leave it. You got them, these people in here that would love to have a raising like some of y'all got. They'd love to have had the restrictions like some some of y'all got that you're mad and upset at it. I'm going to tell you right now, you ever fall in love with Jesus? The rules won't be any problem. You ever fall in love with God? The restrictions won't matter. You ever get addicted under the presence of God? That stuff will be elementary. Hey, you cannot let what people, hey, your parents are crazy. I mean, they're messed up. Hey, they might call us crazy. And they might be 
thin nut bullies were screwed on a right bolt. That same man right there. Brother, I'm telling you, there's going to be discouraging words that are going to come your way. And say, no, you can't do it. They go, oh, you read your Bible every day. You're wasting your time. That's what they'll say. Lincoln, they'll look at and say, you praying all the time? You boys is having prayer meetings? You, you, mean, you mean you skipped a meal and you fasted for that lost family member? You mean you, you, you actually was sensitive to the Lord and you put a piece of money in a special offering and you actually, boy, you, you, you'll never get that back? That's what they'll say. You just lost that. You just lost that gift. You'll never get it back. Never. Can I go ahead and tell you the devil's a liar? <laughs> hey, it ain't in vain. Don't you listen except can't be done. I'll never forget we was in the woods coon hunting one night. We had old fella, me and Matthew was about six or seven years ago. I tried out a new dog and I've, I've done quick coon hunting. I ain't got time for it. I love it. But we was, we was chasing the dog through the woods. We come up on this great big old briar thicket. I mean, it was huge. And one of the boys that was with us, he messed up and he looked at my brother and he said, well, we can't go this way. This is impassable. No way we're doing it. I didn't say a thing. I just let him go for First, I knew what was coming next. You don't tell either one of us we ain't going through something. Amen. There goes Matthew tromping through the briars. There goes big brother right behind him. I let him pave the way a little bit because I didn't bleed near as much as he did. But when they said it couldn't be done, we then had something to prove. Amen. Hey, and they said, oh, why are you wasting your time going into evangelism? You're wasting your time preaching. What in the world are you doing? You're going to starve to death. Does it look like I'm starving to death? No. I'm telling you, God had been good to me, neighbor. And God have supplied the needs. I'm glad I didn't listen to that naysayer crap. I'm glad I didn't pay attention to that damn crowd. I'm glad, thank God, that one day God opened up forever and God let me go. I didn't care the battles we had to face. I didn't care how big a giant was. I knew God's on my side and never it ever dawns on you that God's on your side. It won't matter what the enemy looks like. It won't matter what they say. You go. You gotta leave it behind. You gotta leave the discouraging words behind. You gotta leave the defeat behind. The defeat wilderness was a very defeating experience to say the least. Now, I will now, nor will I never give occasion or liberty for sin in my life or anybody else's. You, you sin? Own up to it. All right. Some of you has got saved at a young age. You got Holy Ghost born again as a young child. What a blessing. But the sad, sad truth is, and this is where the confusion is going to come in. You're going to find yourself uh, putting your own life under a microscope one day. And you're going to realize you've sinned more since you got saved than you did before you got saved. And something's going to happen. You're going to say, well, if that's the case, there ain't no way I'm saved. No occasion to sin. I'm not given any liberty. But can I state a fact? Saved people ain't perfect. They still mess up. And I like what the old timer said three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I was listening to him preach. 
Old brother Tommy Holbrook said, you ever get into Canaan's land? He said, he said if, you, if you have a bad thought, if you beat somebody up in your mind, or boys, if you look at a girl or look at something you ain't supposed to, something that, you know, the world might, well, that's just a innocent, and that's small. You have a bad thought, or maybe if you're rude to your mother or a smart aleck, and you got that rebellion in your heart, and you're really living in Canaan's land, you'll feel like you murdered somebody. I'm talking about you'll feel like you need to be under the jail. And you'll be praying, and you'll be praying. God, I think I've said this here before, but God, one time I missed the will of God, and I knew it when I was preaching. And for two years or better, every day I asked God to forgive me for that. I really let that bother me. And you know, the Lord let me do it every day for over two years. Over two years, I felt like, man, I'd murdered somebody. I felt terrible about it. Finally, one day the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, would you like to know when I forgave you for that? I said, yes, Lord. He said, the first time you asked me. Oh, boys, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, well, I messed up. Oh, David messed up. Again, I'm not giving any occasion to see it. But I'm telling you, Samson messed up. Abraham messed up. But you know what they did? They got right with God and they walked on for the glory of God. And they did not let their sin become their life and become their legacy and become their testimony. They mess up. They say, you know what? I'm going to own up to it. I'm sorry. I apologize. Anybody I need to get right with, there it is. But more importantly, you've got to keep a clear line between you and God. I hope I'm helping somebody. You've got to leave some things behind. What we would consider little sins, what we consider big sins, leave it behind. Brother Morgan, you don't know what I did. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I said. I know. But can I tell you what I do know? Can I tell you? This is real deep. I'm going to tell it to you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, not part of it, not half of it, but all our unrighteousness. But Brother John, that's too simple. I know. Somebody go get me a dictionary and I'll try to find a fancy word to make you feel better about it, okay? <laughs> Whatever he said, I ain't going to pronounce that. I'll end up cussing and grieving God. You, you got it? Do I need to name 50 more things? There's some things you've got to leave behind, boys. If your testimony's been that of a rebellious, I mean a rebellious punk. If I could say it like that, I don't have, so too late now. Girls, if your testimony is that of a rebellious Jezebel, that of a stubborn, stubborn ain't going to move. Oh, Brother Clark, if I had a dime for every brokenhearted mom and daddy that came to me and said, I've got this one child. Let me spend about 10 minutes with the whole family. You won't even have to name them to me. Why, you got to have it your way. Son, why do you have to have it your way? 
Everybody knows you think you know more than your mom and dad does. See, what's happened is you've watched your mom and dad make mistakes. Come to my house for a week. How about yours? Yours perfect? No. You come to my house for a week, you'll see, you'll see, you'll see the evangelist. You'll see the man of God. Probably have to sit his whole family down and apologize for something. Well, I don't do that every week. I do it every month. But the Bible says that we're to dwell with our wives according to knowledge that our prayers be not hindered. I told my wife when we first got married, I said, I'm going to try not to be a hothead. I'm going to try to love you as Christ loved the church. But if something ever happens, I said, as it stands right now, I love my prayer life a lot. So if there's something goes on between me and you that ain't right, I promise you it may take me a day or two, but I will be back around to get it right and get it fixed. Boys, if you'll live your life to guard your prayer life, everything else will fall in its place. Leave it. Got that one? Just hey, leave that. Leave that jump behind. Why you? Why you all the time got to fight your mama? Why your mom and dad? They bit their tongue so many times. They're tired of talking to you about it. Boy, I'm hitting a nail on the head with somebody tonight. Come on, baby cakes. You little smile and purdy and all that and everybody. No. You fight them tooth and nail. It needs to stop tonight. Do you even want to be spirit-filled? Do you even want revival? Well, it needs to stop tonight. You need to submit yourself to God and quit fighting your mom and daddy. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. It took me 26 and a half years of praying and seeking God. And boy, there's people that I've had in my heart that I have fought bitterness toward, that I have fought them, that I've had bad thoughts about. And about three months ago, God told me what the problem was. God told me what the problem was with these kids that are fighting the pack. You ain't fighting your mom and daddy. You ain't fighting the man of God. You're fighting God. against God you're just taking it out on your parents well let's move on number two tonight you gotta leave that junk behind number two simple preaching you gotta carry the load as I prepared this this afternoon I said Lord I preached on load carrying last night he said do it again tonight you gotta carry the load well what are we carrying as parents as preachers Somebody has got to get around the load. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And as soon as they're carrying that Ark of the Covenant, the priest's feet touch the River Jordan. It backs up, buddy. Part of it backs up and part of it downhill goes on down. And everybody else is cut off down below. And now these priests have the responsibility of carrying the load. Somebody, get this, boys, somebody is going to have to take on the responsibility of carrying the burden of the presence of God. That ark had four different titles. It was the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, the ark of the testimony, and the ark of the Lord. The ark of God represents his person, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The ark of the covenant represents his promises. The ark of the testimony represents his precepts. And the ark of the Lord represents his power. And these priests had all this God on them, and they had to bear the It was a specific way of bearing the load. It wasn't, that ark wasn't designed to be carried by 
uh, milk cows and carts. Uzzah put forth his hand and God killed him. No, it was designed, the staves and the rings, if I could put it this way where you understand it, that ark was a square rectangular kind of box overlaid with gold. It was beautiful, magnificent, piece of furniture, the mercy seat on top of it with the cherubims overcut it, is overlaid with gold, beautiful. I mean, the best craftsmanship on planet Earth. But it had rings in the side of it. They'd take a rod, a stave, a rod, put it through there. And when they go through there, those rods, the stave would be sticking out far enough to where a human being, a man, a priest, could get a hold of that and pick it up at the same time in unity, put it on their shoulders, and those priests bore the burden of the presence of God. Are you willing to get under the load? Draw out of me and I'll draw out of thee. Are you willing to pay the price? Do you want to be one of these, this, this ark? Boy, I thought about this today, Brother Randy. You tell me what you think after service. It was overlaid with gold. See, gold is a, is, is a, is a fairly soft metal, but it's still hard. You ever been hitting the head with a gold ring? It don't feel no better just because it's soft metal. It's still hard. I mean, God made that thing. If it did fall over, it was tough enough to take it. Hey, I'm telling you, God's presence and God himself, he can take it. Cast all your care on him for he cares for you. But it wasn't designed to fall on the ground. It wasn't designed to be thrown in the back of your pickup truck and just ride around town, let your chainsaw slam into it and your gas slam all over it. No. It was a very sensitive piece of furniture that when it was set up properly was all the way into the presence of God behind the veil. So guess who had to carry that load? A priest. Somebody that knew something about getting into the presence of God alone. Well, I'm not a priest. Well, wait a minute. The veil of the temple has been rent from top to bottom. You can get in. We are priests. You, by yourself, can get alone and get into the presence of God. And you know what you do if you keep yourself humble? When you come back out, you can bring God's presence back out with you. Oh, it's holy, buddy. I'm walking on some holy ground up in here tonight. I hope you realize that. The priest, but, but it was solid, so there had to be some sensitivity. You gotta be sensitive to the presence of God. This ark with the gold overlaid it was tough and tender at the same time. I heard Brother Edgar Thomas said at the Hollis Springs Baptist Church back in the late 90s, he said one of the hardest things you'll ever do as a preacher is to learn to be tough and tender at the same time. Hard to be a parent learning to be tough and tender at the same time. You gotta learn to be sensitive to the presence of the Holy Ghost. Not only were they to be sensitive, there had to be some stability. You know, one guy just didn't pick it up and tilt it over, it went up the same time. And that put stability in their life. See, see, boy, can I just say it? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I thank God this sensitive stuff, being sensitive to the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. I, I, I would go back and change some things in my life, maybe, but I might wouldn't because I learned some valuable lessons. We got, we got, when we first started, we got so thirsty and hungry for God. We was praying for discernment. Well, I'd pray about what suit to wear to church. 
I'd pray about what shoes to wear to church. I, want, I just wanted to be sensitive to God. I was sincere. I want, Lord, where do you want me to sit when we go to the restaurant? Lord, which restaurant do you want us to go to? I got married and we go to our first church service. Stacy's in there trying to pick me out a suit and tie. I said, I got me and Jesus got that baby. I don't need your help. I'll pick out my own clothes. I got this. I done prayed about this. I know what tie God wants me to wear. I know what shoes. I know what suit. She said, okay. We've been married a few weeks and I uh, was running late one Sunday morning for church and I, I didn't have time to pray about what suit to wear. So I said, baby, you, you, you ought to pick me out a suit and tie and shirt. She didn't say nothing. You can see her grinning. You know, I went to church that morning and I got more compliments <laughs> on the way I was dressed than I ever have in my life. That day, I quit praying about what tie to wear, what suit to wear. And I realized that a lot of what we call discernment ain't nothing but common sense. Like my dear old daddy told me and my brother for years, boys, would you use your head for something else than a hand rock every once in a while? God gave you a brain, use it. Well, I'm praying, man, I'm gonna go in town. Lord, what road do you want me to take? Being real sensitive here, Lord, I really wanna be sensitive. All right, Lord, I feel like I need to take this one. Get to town. Thank you, Lord, it was safe. I'm trying to be sensitive. Then one day it dawns on you. It really don't matter. If something bad's going to go wrong and you're sensitive to God, he'll trouble you. He'll speak to you. But you're not in rebellion. Oh, Lord, my tire just went flat. What in the world? Spend six hours praying. Oh, dear Jesus. Lord, it just had a flat tire. Lord, I know there's got to be something going on in my life. Something's wrong, Lord. What I do, what I say, what I do. Oh, Lord, God, I, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm, I'm confessing, you know, stuff I ain't even guilty of. Lord, just show me. Lord, speak to me. I mean, hour after hour after hour. Lord, my motor blew up my truck. Oh, Lord, God. Oh, the hydraulic hose blew up. What did I do wrong today? Then one day, God had mercy on me, and he spoke to me. He said, son, sometimes tires go flat. Okay. Your motor is going to wear out and blow up. The hydraulic hose is going to break. And I hate to have to confess this to you, but I've been in trouble enough with God to know and when something like that does happen, and it is a whipping from the Lord, I don't have to ask nobody. I know it deep down in my heart that I gotta stop and get right with God. God ain't whipping you for something just cause you had a flat tire don't mean you backslid. Anybody getting any help tonight? You got, a bit, but you got to learn to be sensitive. I'm trying to help you balance this out. It's on me tonight, Brother Randy. Sensitive. You, know, you pull out of the parking lot, the Holy Ghost tells you to wait for a minute. Wait. But if he don't tell you to wait, then don't. 
Am I, am I bouncing this hour? I'm riding down the road one day, and the Lord spoke to me and said, get off of this exit right here. I said, okay. I got off the exit. He said, go to that parking lot. I, said, I went over at the parking lot. He said, all right, you can get back on the interstate now. I felt like a fool. I said, all right, well, go five miles down the interstate, and that big old tractor and trailer that I was riding beside is on its top in the middle of the interstate, one of the worst wrecks you've ever seen in your life. You know how many times that's happened to me in my life? Once. One time. And if I'm, I, Lord, you know I'm not belittling your leadership. I need your leadership. I need you to help me. I want to hear your voice. Tell me when my children ain't right. Tell me when something's wrong. Help me, but until then, help me not to drive myself crazy. Trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do when I already know what the Bible told me to do. See, you're going to read them books. You're going to read them books about them old timers and how they talked about how they were sensitive. You'll try to be them. I read one time, Brother Percy Ray was out there working on the camp. God told him to put on a bandana around his neck, around his head or something. He did it. Somebody come riding down the road. He said, the Holy Spirit told me to bring, I mean, thousands of dollars to a person that was wearing a bandana on the side of the road. If I tell you, if I you, I went and bought me a bandana. I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I'll tell you what. Hey, I, but I, I'm, I, that's great. And if he tells you to do, do it. Do it. Be sensitive to him. I want to say this, and if I don't, you don't get nothing else, say, boys, write this down somewhere. If you will live your life to live it in the presence of God, stay in his presence, be sensitive to his presence, everything else that you need, he'll give it to you. Everything you need to hear from his spirit, he'll tell it to you. Everything you need to see in the Bible, he will send you your wife that you need to marry. He'll put you in the right job. He'll give you girls the right husband. Just live in his presence. So, I'm telling you, somebody's going to have to carry the load of the presence of God. Somebody goes, you know what? I'm tired of this carnal stuff. And I'm tired of not having God's touch. I want God all over me. You're going to have to have some stability. Stable in your mind. Stable with your finances. Stable in your presence. There's going to have to be some perseverance. Do not quit. Thirdly tonight, you're going to have to follow leadership. I told you, you, you ain't hearing nothing you ain't never heard before. God knows we need a friendly reminder tonight. As I prayed about this and studied about this, I, mean, I felt, Brother Randy, in my spirit, I felt like I was sitting on the front row at the Faith Baptist camp, 96, 97, and that fresh, that 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 first love that just give me a reason to shout I don't need a reason to shout I'm going to shout I just, just God let me Lord don't let me get old and grumpy Lord help me to keep that just that zeal that fire that would burn in our bones God revive my prayer life revive my Bible reading Lord I love you but I want to love you more I'll never forget it I, I'll never forget it you got to be sensitive to God. That just may be the message. You got to get thirsty and hungry for his presence. I'll never forget one time over an old building. 
I don't know why I'm telling this. I don't want to, but I'm going to. We just had that accident. I've told you about it years ago. Uh, run over that 18-year-old boy, and he ended up dying without God and going to hell. Yeah, that really, that really, I don't want no sympathy, and I don't want no pats on the back. At the time, that really, really hurt me. And I'm going to tell you somebody else it hurt. It hurt Brother Sammy. Because I got down here after that happened, and he hugged me, and he wept over me. Him and Miss Jimmy just loved on me, and Brother Sammy took me up to the hardware store. Who's that guy that owned it up there in Tunnel Hill? Brother Claude. Claude Hall. Took me up there. We're in there, and he's looking at knives and stuff. And Brother Sammy introduced me to Brother Claude. He said, this is evangelist John P. Morgan. And Brother Sammy just started crying. Started weeping. He said, you pray for him. He just had a bad accident on the job and run over and killed a young man. And he just, just weeping. And he said, Brother Claude, God ain't never used a man greatly till he's broke him deeply. And God has broken this young man weeping when he said it. Christmas revival, missions meeting was going on that year. I get on the altar over in the old building. And literally, I'm on the altar asking Jesus to save me. God, I got to be lost. Lord, save me. I, there's got to be some relief. I, you try and tell me something. And Brother Fane Jordan rescued me that night. He come up and he said, what you praying about, Brother John? Lord told me, come over here and pray with you. I said, well, thank you. I said, Brother Fane, I, I believe I'm just lost and I need to get saved. He said, oh, Brother John. I can't remember how he said everything, but basically in these words, he said, I've been where you're at, son. He said, the devil about had me, I remember this part, he said, the devil about had me convinced I was a false prophet. One of the most God-anointed, precious men of God I've ever met in my life. Getting honest with me. By the way, he helped my wife out too one time. Anybody else, they might have tried to have got a profession out of it. Boy, I just want this preacher to God. Not Brother Fane. He said, John, I want you to do something. I said, what's that? He said, I feel definitely impressed. You got to hear him say it now. Impressed, you got to get emptied. Emptied. He said, I feel definitely impressed to tell you to go memorize Psalms 42. Read it. Read it, read it. I got my Bible out that night and I looked and it said, as the heart painteth after the water broke, so painteth my soul after thee, O God. Oh, God began to work in my heart. Let me know. Let me know that I needed to just stay thirsty for him and his presence. You gotta be sensitive. You gotta follow the leadership, follow the leadership of the servant. I won't call him necessarily the the pastor, the man of God, these titles that we use, even though he's a pastor and a man of God, but he's a servant. God called Joshua the servant of Moses. Just get right up behind the servant of Brother Allen, the servant of God, the servant of the church. I don't think we're any more Christ-like than when we're being a servant. He was found in the fashion as a servant. 
Find you somebody that's willing to serve and follow them. Follow the scriptures. Let that lead you. Follow somebody that's strong enough to carry the load. Just follow the Spirit of God. But then lastly, and I'm done tonight, Hannah, if you don't need to pray, now if you need to pray, I don't want you playing, okay? You, are you I'm just, did me a minute ago. It's in your court. You do whatever you want to. Come up here and play something, please. You got the little outline? You're going to leave some things behind. You're going to have to carry the load, follow the leadership. Fourthly, you're going to have to live. Canaan wasn't a place for us to be dying. It was a place for us to be living. And it came to give us life. Not just life, but to have it more abundantly. The fruit-filled life. A life, all that really, I'm telling you, if we all really just put our all on the altar and let God have every bit of us and we found a way to get in the, in the scriptural way, whatever obstacles are in your way to get in the presence of God, kick the stumbling blocks out of your way. Take a good look down the path you're going. Any stumbling blocks you see, get, get God to help you to get rid of them. Get your pastor to help you to get rid of them. Parents, it's our responsibility to look down the path that we're letting our children walk down. And if they stumbling blocks in the way of them living in the presence of God, I think there's something. I just really, I don't want to sound proud about this. It's really the last couple of weeks just been seeking God especially on some wisdom concerning some of these parenting things that we have to deal with. And I've come to this conclusion. It's not my number one responsibility to make my children happy. It's my number one responsibility to help them and lead them to be holy. We're going to have to get our hearts right with God and get God back in our homes. Get God. I mean, I know God's been blessing y'all and breathing on it, but I'm just telling you, we ain't touched the hem of the garment of what we could have in our churches if we would just give it all to God. I'm done preaching. We're standing all over the building. I don't think we need 40 verses tonight. If God's dealt with you, come. If God hasn't dealt with you, come ask him why it happened. 